0: As we prepare um, to hear the preaching of God's Word, let's please turn to Nehemiah chapter 2. Nehemiah chapter 2. This is God's Holy Word as revealed by the Holy Spirit to Nehemiah. That it's a book that is also uh, a book of history, but a book of spiritual instruction for us. Hear the word of the Lord according to uh, Nehemiah as given by the Holy Spirit starting in verse 2 uh, verse 1 of chapter 2. Chapter 2 verse 1. And it came about in the month Nisan in the 20th year of king Artaxerxes that wine was before him and I took up the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had not been sad in his presence. So the king said to me, Why is your face sad, though you are not sick? This is nothing but sickness of heart. Then I was very much afraid. I said to the king, Let the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad when the city, the place of my father's tombs, lies desolate and its gates have been consumed by fire? Then the king said to me, What would you request? So I prayed to the God of heaven. I said to the king, If it please the king, and if your servant has found favor before you, send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tombs, that I may rebuild it. Then the king said to me, the queen uh, sitting beside him, How long will your journey be? And when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me. And I gave him a definite time. And I said to the king, if it please the king, let letters be given me for the governors of the provinces beyond the river, that they may allow me to pass through until I come to Judah. And a letter to Asaph, uh, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the fortress which is by the temple, for the wall of the city, and for the house to which I will go. And the king granted them to me because the good hand of my God was on me. Then I came to the governors of the provinces beyond the river and gave them the king's letters. Now the king had sent with me officers of the army and horsemen. When Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah, the Ammonite official, heard about it, it was very displeasing to them that someone had come to seek the welfare of the sons of Israel. Let us pray. We ask, our beloved Lord, that you would help us, like Nehemiah, to be those who have your favor, that we could say with confidence that the good hand of God is upon us, that your good hand, O oh Lord, is upon us. We pray, O oh Father, that you would help us to see our need for Christ as we study uh, this piece, uh, this portion of both history and scripture. Help us, we pray, for we ask all these things in the blessed name of Jesus our Lord. Amen. Perhaps you've had a habit of saying when something good is going your way, God's hand is for good is upon me. It's, um, God's favor is upon me. Wow, this is such a great news of what's going on in my life. Well, Scripture speaks of God's hand being upon someone for good, but it also speaks of God's hand being upon someone for evil or for judgment. Um, or if it's in the case of a Christian, God's hand could be upon them for discipline, but if it's a case of an unbeliever, God's hand can be upon them for judgment if they refuse and they turn against the Lord and oppose God and his kingdom. There's in history an example of God's hand being against the Philistines in a very heavy way. Uh, if you, there's a passage of scripture where it talks about where uh, the Philistines were fighting against Israel. This is when Eli was high priest. And he dies immediately after the battle when he finds out how bad the news was that the Philistines took the Ark of God they defeated the army of Israel they took the Ark of God and what happened after that well we found it, we won we're going to celebrate and we're going to take this Ark back and we're going to put it in our temple in the temple of Dagon and then Dagon later and during the night when they wake up the next morning and Dagon fell on his face the statue of Dagon and then what happens the next morning well let's see what happens if we just pick him back up again maybe prop him up a little bit well, Dagon fell again the next, during the night the next night, and they woke up early in the morning. This time Dagon fell flat on his face. His head broke off and his hands broke off. They were cut off at the threshold before the Ark of God. They should have thought something was up then. But then the tumors broke out on the people. So they, they said, well, let's send it to another city. Let's, let's send it to a city uh, down the way to Ekron. And the people of Ekron cried out, and they said, you have brought this judgment of God upon us. Send it away. Send it back. Send the, send the ark of God back to Israel. And they did. Um, but in that passage it says that there was a, a deadly confusion throughout the city and the hand of God was very heavy there. He was heavy upon them. God's hand. And the people were smitten with tumors and they were crying out before the God of heaven. But here we have an example Instead of a God, who instead of God's hand being heavy upon them in judgment, God's hand for good and favor was given unto Nehemiah. Nehemiah identified himself as the cupbearer of the king in the prior chapter, chapter one, to the, the very end, where he, he mentions that he was the cupbearer before the king. Um, this is a time where kings were assassinated often by poison, dagger, sword, and here uh, he was. The uh, man who was a last guard in defense of what would pass the lips of the king, and to make sure that the king was safe and not poisoned, perhaps he might have dipped a, a, a spoon or an instrument to, into the, every drink and taken a taste, and then the king would wait and see if Nehemiah would drop dead first before drinking of it, and so that was a man that he trusted, and I'm sure he loved uh, for that uh, for that sake. But we're not sure. Uh, it says here that uh, the king served 20 years. Um, it, it mentions here that he had, it was in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, verse uh, 1 of chapter 2. We don't know how long um, Nehemiah had served during this period of 20 years, but it, it seems like it's more than just a short period because there's a, somewhat of a cordial relationship between the two. He was in a place called the, uh, the Persian citadel or capital of Susa, which is in modern-day Iran. As we look at today's text, we're going to look at it from the understanding that God calls you to seek his good hand of favor. God calls you to seek his good hand of favor, and we'll see this in two main points. Nehemiah's plea before God and the king, and secondly, Nehemiah's favor before God and the king. Let's look at this first main point, Nehemiah's plea before God and the king. Now, uh, before we look at chapter 2, look at verse 3 of chapter 1 regarding the sorrow that he had. Um, There was a report that was sent to Nehemiah from those who had visited uh, Jerusalem, and they said, the remnant there in the province who survived the captivity are in great distress and reproach, and the wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are burned with fire. When I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days, and I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. So his... News brought him to sorrow and his sorrow was not something that led him to be apathetic. Apathy is where, you know, I'm just so sad over what's going on. I'm just going to lay on the couch or I'm just going to lay down in bed and not want to get up. His sorrow caused him to go before God and plead before God with prayer and fasting. And, uh, That's why he first made a plea before the Lord. His sorrow motivated him to grieve over his people and pray and fast. Um, Verse 11 of chapter 1, uh, it says, O Lord, I beseech you, may your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and the prayer of your servants who delight to revere your name and make your servant successful today and grant him compassion before this man. Who is he talking about? He's talking about going before the king. So his plea, really, before the king and before God, occurs in the first chapter, and it's going to continue on as we, as we look. Now, it wasn't certain if Nehemiah could even just interrupt the king or maybe just even ask a question directly of the king. It's one of those cases where he might have had to be spoken to first before he had a right to speak and to make a plea before the king. Um, If you did not have permission to speak to the king and you spoke to the king anyway and he got upset about it, things could have went very wrong uh, for um, Nehemiah. But notice that the king did not have to uh, be interrupted because he saw the very face of Nehemiah, that Nehemiah was sad and something was amiss. Um, it says in verses 1 and 2, and it came about in the month Nisan and in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes that wine was before him and I took the wine and gave it to the king. Now I was not sad in his presence and the New King James and the, the, uh, the King James Bible, the authorized uh, version both say before, and I think that's appropriate. They insert the word before. He wasn't sad in the king's present presence before. That's why the king noticed the difference. Verse two. So the king said to me, "Why is your face sad, though you are not sick? Is there this is nothing but sadness of heart?" Then I was very much afraid. Um, Nehemiah was afraid because kings at this time in history were, uh, some people call them despots. They were like tyrants. They could, if, if they weren't pleased with someone's conversation, if they weren't pleased with what someone said, if they didn't believe him or trust him, they could torture them to get an interrogation out of them just for the sake of any whim. Now, we we don't have rulers nowadays who can just take somebody out of office and go torture them, but that's what it was like to serve a king, uh, especially the uh, king of uh, Persia at this time. Now, it wasn't the medieval era that perfected torture. The torture uh, of the Persians was gruesome. Some people were flayed alive. Their skin was cut off of their bodies, and that's what they would do. Uh, you ever heard this, this saying, put their feet to the fire? They would actually put fe- people's feet in the fire and then they would impale them and all kind of stuff as they would interrogate them. So I would say knowing the reputation of that kind of king and that kind of ruler with that kind of power and that kind of reputation, that's why he says, I was very much afraid. Because if his king didn't like what he, what he said, he could be thrown into, into prison or even tortured. That's why his fear, you could say, was not without a uh, great cause. Another example is Queen, Queen Esther. If she, when she approached the king, a uh, King Ahasuerus, which was, uh, who was even her husband, if he did not extend the scepter to her when making the request, she could be killed right on the spot. So it was a fearful thing to go to these kings and make a request of them. But when King Artaxerxes asked him about his sadness, notice how Nehemiah answered and somewhat gracious and respectful but also bold he he prays a little blessing for the king Uh, he says in verse 3 I said to the king let the king live forever may God allow you long life may you live forever why should my face not be sad when the city the place of my father's tombs lies desolate and its gates have been consumed by fire now He's sad, right? And his face is sad, and that's why the king asks him these questions, and that's why he answers. But this sadness, he was not put on. Uh, In the prior chapter, it it says that he wept and mourned for days. He was really distraught. He was grieving over what was going on uh, with his fellow countrymen back in Jerusalem. And the the king felt compassion on his servant. Verse four of chapter two, the king said to me, "What would you request?" I'm sure that was a great question that Nehemiah loved to hear the king ask. And then, what was Nehemiah's response? It happens to be an instruction in godliness and very much on how we ought to be more prayerful. When the king says, well, What would you request of me? What does Nehemiah do? He prays to God, the King of heaven. And it's an interesting illustration. Uh, It wasn't just the first time he prayed. He noticed in chapter 1 he was praying and fasting for days. But here in, he's having a conversation. And in the middle of a conversation, he's probably looking at the king. Maybe he didn't look directly in his eyes. That would have been staring in his eyes. would have been probably disrespectful. But he was looking toward the king, and he's praying to God in the middle of a conversation. Yes... We should pray with our hands clasped. Yes, we should pray with our hands folded. Yes, we should pray kneeling. Yes, we should pray with our eyes closed. Sometimes we teach our kids that because when we tell them to close their eyes in prayer, uh, they can focus and have their attention. But really, that's not the only way you have to pray. You could pray in the middle of a conversation. You could be waiting in line, looking at, at, at a teller, and having to pay a bill and say, Lord God, give me, give me favor that this thing, this bill of mine gets handled in a fine manner. You could be in line at the grocery store and see someone in front of you, and the, Lord, give me an opportunity to talk to someone about the Lord Jesus. People don't even have to know you're praying. You could pray intermittently. This passage has always been brought to mind, to me, when Scripture tells us to pray without ceasing. This is the only, this is one of the best Instructions or applications of how you could pray a lot more often, even in the midst of all kind of things. You're on the phone with your loved one. You're talking to someone. A problem arises. Stop. You could even pray in the middle of the conversation. So what happens next is both this wonderful example of how the king hears him, and we, but we don't know exactly what uh, Nehemiah is praying when he closes his eyes. I mean, when he when he's not closing his eyes, when he's looking at the, toward the king and praying. Um, it's, it could be something like what was at the end of the other chapter, chapter 1. Lord, make your servant successful today and grant him compassion before this man. Lord, give me acceptance and compassion before this king. And then the prayer is then answered, and we'll see that in that next point um, in Nehemiah's favor before God and the king. Look at uh, verse 5. He says, I said to the king, if it please the king and if your servant has found favor before you, send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tomb, that I may rebuild it. He gives this respective plea before the king. Then the king said to me, verse 6, the queen sitting beside him, how long will your journey be and when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me. And I gave him a definite time. And I said to the king, If it please the king, let letters be given me uh, for the governors of the provinces beyond the river that they may allow me to pass through until I come to Judah. And a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the forest which is by the temple, for the wall of the city, for the house, and, and for the house which, to which I will go. And the king granted them to me. Why? Because the good hand of my God was on me. Then I came to the governors of the province beyond the river and gave them, to the king, gave them the king's letters. Now the king had sent me officials of the army and horsemen. I think the extent of the king answering and the king blessing the work of Nehemiah was extensive. Um, it says here, he talked to the king and the king allowed him to give a definite time. Um, some scholars and other people who write about this notice that Nehemiah was gone for 12 years. Wow, that's a nice little lapse of, uh, that's a nice little break from your job. 12 years to go and serve your, your, your church community or, or the kingdom of God. And not only that, notice uh, he was given these letters for protection and which would give him even a degree of authority to, to then just harvest lumber from the forests. Not only that, a lumber, you could say to renovate a house or maybe even build himself a new house. Not, and then he didn't even ask for this, but verse 9 says the king had even sent him officers of the army and horsemen. So God blessed him with favor even beyond what he expected. These amazing responses of the king's favor before King Artaxerxes was because of God's favor upon Nehemiah. The end of verse 8 says, Nehemiah said that the king granted all these things because the good hand of my God was on me. The passage I want us to look at that gives us a little understanding of how God complements us with his favor is found in Proverbs three. Let's look let's hold our place in Nehemiah, but turn to Proverbs three verse one. Proverbs three one I got it. it says My son, do not forget my teaching. This is Solomon speaking, but you could say it's the voice of God speaking to us through Solomon. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and years of life, and peace they will add to you. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart, so you will find favor and good repute or good reputation. In the sight of God and man, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. These are ways that we get favor before God and men, just as Nehemiah had favor before God and men keeping the commandments of the Lord, being kind, being truthful. Put your trust in God and not yourself. Acknowledge God and don't ignore God. Give Him the praise and worship that He deserves. Trust in God and not lean upon your own understanding. And if you do all these things, God's favor will be upon you and He will give you favor in His sight and before men as Nehemiah had favor in his sight. If you worship God, if you trust God, if you obey God, God will make your path straight, as he did for Nehemiah. He will be a shield unto you, and he will be your exceedingly great reward. Put Christ's kingdom first, and then all the things that you need, favor before men, will be added unto you. Put his kingdom first. The favor of the most high triune God and one of the most powerful men in all history was upon Nehemiah. But notice this he had this favor from God and favor from the most powerful king, but people still opposed him. <laughs> Can you imagine? God's favor and the, the king Artaxerxes even had letters written for him, and people still wanted to oppose him. Look at verse 10. Then Sanballat, the Horonite, and Tobiah, the Ammonite official, heard about it. It was very displeasing to them that someone had come to seek the welfare of the sons of Israel. Now, using the slang of our day, there will always be haters out there, right? If you, treat, if you seek to love God and obey God and live for Him, there will always be somebody opposed to you because of who you represent. It's impossible to please everybody. But first and foremost, seek the favor of God and everything necessary will be added unto you. Now there's a day appointed. We don't know what day it will be, but there, there's a day appointed where, they, where, where God will have a great white throne of judgment and that the book of life will be open, and that everyone will be judged in accordance to that book of life. Revelation 20. On that great day, I ask, will you have the favor of God or not? Nehemiah had God's favor, but will you have God's favor? Can you say with confidence on that day that God's hand for good is upon you and you don't have to fear that you can have confidence before that great white throne of judgment? God calls you, He commands you to seek His favor. As Nehemiah made a plea for mercy before the Lord, we must make a plea of mercy before the Lord in like fashion. Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. God, through His rich grace, has given Jesus Christ our Lord so that we may have favor with God. God made His holy, perfect, sinless Son to be humiliated, to be put in a low condition, to be made under the law, to undergo the miseries of this life, the wrath of the Father, the wrath of God, the curse, the death of the cross, to be buried and under the power of death for a time. But then God exalted him. He rose him from the dead on the third day. He ascended into heaven, and he forever makes intercession, sitting at the right hand of God the Father. And all of those blessings of Christ's humiliation and his exaltation can be yours by faith. If you put your faith in Jesus Christ that is the only way that you will have favor in God's sight on that day of judgment. If you embrace Christ by faith that blessed Redeemer you will have a sure steadfast confidence of God's favor that you can know that God's hand for good is upon you. What more can God give you? What more can God give you than giving His only begotten Son but you have to receive Him to have those benefits. Let's pray together. We ask, O Lord, that for those who have received the benefits of the wonderful work of Christ, we pray that you would help us to rejoice, that your hand of favor, your hand for good is upon us. But for those who have not received, Lord, we pray that you would work in their hearts and minds, that they would receive the Lord Jesus Christ as he's offered in the gospel, that they would embrace him and love him and put their faith and trust in him, that you would give them forgiveness of sins, and Lord, that you would work in their hearts and their minds to give them new obedience, that they would seek to keep your commands, that they would seek to be kind and truthful that they would seek to walk in your ways, to acknowledge you, to worship you, to serve you, to put themselves second, to put you first. Lord, by your mercy, we pray, open our hearts to receive these things and to give us that eternal life and to give us that boldness and confidence that your favor is upon us. For we ask all these things in the blessed name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Let's stand and sing our hymn of dedication. A hymn of dedication 429. Come, thou fount of every blessing. Let's stand and sing 429.